It's time for Supply Chain Now Radio, sponsored by Apex Atlanta and TalentStream. Broadcasting live from the supply chain capital of the country, Atlanta, Georgia, Supply Chain Now Radio spotlights the best in all things supply chain. The people, the companies, the technologies, the best practices, and the critical issues of the day. Now, here are your hosts. All right. Good afternoon. Scott Luton here with you live on Supply Chain Now Radio. Welcome to the show. Uh, like all of our series on Supply Chain Now Radio, uh, you can find our replays on a variety of channels from iTunes to SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Business Radio X. And as always, of course, we'd love to have you subscribe so you don't miss anything. On today's show, we're, we're actually uh, broadcasting live from Emory University uh, here today, uh, thanks to our good friend Tyler Freeman that we're going to introduce in a second. On today's show, we've got a very special episode that's going to focus on an area of passion, certainly of mine, certainly of our four panelists in the room, and and, um, uh, and, and a community that we invest a lot in, our, our veteran community. Um, we're going to dive deeper into the challenges related to our veterans transitioning from active duty into the private sector. We're going to share resources, both for veterans and for organizations looking to more effectively engage the veteran community. And you're going to hear a variety of stories from five folks, certainly four folks, that have made the transition and um, going to share some of these experiences with you. So thanks for tuning in to a, a special episode of Supply Chain Now Radio. So how is this connected to supply chain? Well, I think in two big ways. Number one, uh, all things workforce related are always of importance to leaders and organizations across the Indian supply chain, the veteran population, which adds roughly about 250,000 uh, per year, is an incredible source of adding talent to your organization. And then secondly, supply chain careers are uh, such a natural and successful fit for so many of our veterans that are entering the private sector. So if you're an organiza organization that's out there listening, uh, tuning in today, which is great, welcome. But number two, if you haven't effectively engaged the veteran community as you're trying to fight the, the war for talent, we certainly encourage you to do so, and hopefully some of the information you hear today will uh, equip you to, to um, better wage that war on talent, war for talent. All right, so let's welcome our featured guest, uh, Lloyd Knight, Director of International Air Freight, LMG. And I'm going to ask uh, Lloyd what LMG stands for at UPS Global Forwarding. Lloyd is also the co-founder and president of Vetlanta. Good afternoon, Lloyd. Yeah, thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. Glad to have you here. Appreciate everything you've done, especially in Vetlanta, as we plugged into that group, uh, and you know, servant leader and serving the veteran community. So glad to have you here. So LMG, what does that stand for, real quick? So LMG stands for Lane Management Group, and essentially, I um, own the strategy for UPSs on the global freight forwarding side of the house. Our top forty-six global trade lanes. Fantastic, Lane Management Group. Learn a new acronym every day. And this is a military conversation, so we got to have our acronyms, well, right? UPS, we have as many acronyms as the Department <laughs> of Defense. They're just different. Love it. Well, glad you're here. Looking forward to diving into the conversation with you. Tyler Freeman, Chief Marketing Officer with Vetlana, also our host today. As I mentioned, we're broadcasting live from the beautiful campus here at Emory University. Uh, Tyler serves as Chief of Staff for the Emory Veterans Association. Tyler. 
Yeah, that's right. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate it. Appreciate you hosting, and and you know, thanks for everything you've done. You're going to the Tillman on a run this Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Uh, headed out there. Uh, a good friend of ours, Seth Deichman, does a killer job of uh, supporting that event, supporting a really great foundation for our nation's veterans and in, in their scholarship. Uh, you know, near and dear to my heart as a student veteran now here at Emory, working on a couple of degrees, uh, and uh, just to add, uh, Emory University was what a business school is where we're at, and mm. uh, as a full time MBA, I got to make that plug. Awesome. Thanks so much. And looking forward to seeing you Saturday. You'll be running. I will not be. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're taking the whole family, though. So, you know, last year, I think I, I, was, I was top 10 or somewhere around there. My, my, my girlfriend uh, was was very, very adamant about beating me. Um, so naturally, <laughs> as a, a great partner, that certainly happened. So it's going to be a great race. We're super excited for a great event. Well, I'll hold your guys' water. Yeah. Will you? <laughs> you gonna be Take some too, photos yeah, for us. Oh, I, we sure will. And, uh, you know, last year was really neat. Um, Arthur Blank was there and, and uh, the coach of the Falcons. I can't remember his name right off, but um, a lot of community support. I think 400 or so runners, yeah. lots of sponsors. I and, mean, they raise a heck of a lot of money, you know, not just through the registration for the run, but also the silent auction. Uh, and all of those proceeds, all the donations and things like that go to benefit the Tillman Foundation and the scholars and the things and the scholarships that they provide for those scholars, really our nation's best leaders uh, yep. that are currently attending university in some capacity. Absolutely. So hope to see it. Uh, many folks there on Saturday, uh, the Tillman Run. Uh, okay, other guests today. We're glad to have Ross uh, Chesanek, Senior Project Manager at Home Depot. Did I get that right, Ross? You did. Fantastic. That never happened. So <laughs> glad you're here today. And, and um, uh, Army veteran, mm -hmm. correct? West Point graduate, which is impressive. Looking forward to diving into the conversation with you here shortly, Ross. Appreciate it. It's great to be here. You bet. And Chuck Klubal, Manager Store Operations with the Home Depot. Good afternoon, Chuck. Good afternoon to you as well. Glad to be here. Glad that you're here and really appreciate in the, in the warm-up conversation, you and Ross were talking about um, the, your uh, veteran roles within an incredible organization like the Home Depot and appreciate you know, how much deliberate energy and, and resources that the Home Depot puts around uh, engaging the veteran community. Yeah, um, so actually Ross and I are part of um, what most people call a resource group. Uh, inside some people would call it the MAG, the Veteran Appreciation Group, and uh, or Military Appreciation Group. That make the acronym make Veteran. sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, like I said, I have to caveat things. I was an infantryman, so the, the grunt mentality is still there. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's a great thing because we have a lot of people. Um, the, the beauty of it is Home Depot does a lot for the veteran community, but we're always trying to do more mm -hmm. and uh, internally as well, as well as externally. So that's kind of the mission of our group. We do everything from education to um, events and then um, a lot of community outreach and just making sure that we're able to put energy where it, it really makes an impact. Love it. And and as you know, I heard there, lots of passion. And, and it's not just lip service. It's what is action-related resources there to, um, you know, engage and, and help and, and hire our, our members of the veteran community that, that certainly need those uh, that assistance. All right, so uh, let's shift gears. So, again, welcome to each of y'all. Really excited about this conversation we've got teed up here. Um, we're going to take the next eight hours and talk about veterans' <laughs> issues. Um, I don't think we'd still get to all of that. <laughs> probably, no, absolutely not. Yeah. So, uh, so Tyler, let's lead off with you. We want to let our listeners kind of get a sense of, of you know, our panelists, uh, what you do currently, although we've touched on that a little bit, and then, uh, you know, briefly in a nutshell, what your veteran background is. So, Tyler, you're going to be our leadoff hitter. Tell us about uh, yourself. 
Yeah, so uh, I'll start with my military experience. Uh, 2009, I joined the Marine Corps, uh, and uh, in the several years that followed, uh, I worked predominantly as an aviation maintenance supervisor, so lots of access to supply chain uh, and fixing aircraft. Uh, I also thought it would be great to also fly on them, so I served as an air crewman for uh, CH-53s in the cargo helicopter. So uh, after three deployments in, in about four years, I decided mm. to get out uh, and, and pursue my undergraduate degree since I was enlisted in the Marine Corps. Uh, and now, after undergrad, I decided some more school was in order, so I am a full-time MBA student uh, concentrating on finance here at the business school. Uh, one degree wasn't enough, so I'm also at the law school for a, uh, a master's, a Juris Master's to be exact, uh, and uh, with the ultimate goal of being a really great mergers and acquisitions practitioner after business school. Well, I've got no doubts. Uh, for those of us that struggle to get one degree, it is amazing how active you are while I can only imagine the MBA JD program here has got to be one of the more more rigorous programs you can be involved in, and and to see as much community involvement as you do, it's impressive. It's a uh, it's it's great. Uh, I I treat um I treat my school time as as a is really the day job. Um, it, it's something that I know that I need to do. It pays the bills. Uh, but I'm really passionate about my community service. Obviously, serving with Vetlana, serving with Emory Veterans Association, doing some amazing things here at Emory. Mm. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we're here today, uh, is because the Veterans Association's got so much spotlight here lately that uh, it just made for a really natural fit. And, the, and you asking us for a spot to broadcast was just perfect timing. Love it. And we're going to dive a lot more into uh, Vetlana that you heard Tyler mention. That's been a great uh, organization on the move, making a difference. Um, here in Atlanta, one of the best destinations, the best destination for veterans and their families. So, and with that, we're going to segue over to Lloyd Knight. So, Lloyd, uh, tell us a little about yourself. Again, kind of current role and, and your veteran background. Sure, yeah. I, um, I joined the Air Force when I was 17 and a, uh, in 1987, and I, I uh, joined to be a, a loadmaster. And I was an aircraft loadmaster for 17 years. I flew the uh, C-141B Starlifter. A, uh, was the, my, my primary role, but I also got into uh, a lot of flight tests. I flew the uh, C-23 Sherpa and, and the C-5 Galaxy as well. Mm. And I uh, finished up as a uh, as a first sergeant in the Air Force. And the first sergeant in the Air Force is a little bit different from, from other branches of service, but the, but the motto of the first sergeant is people are our business. Mm. And, and I had to learn all about people, and that served me well. And I retired from the Air Force 20 years uh, later. Uh, retired on a uh, Friday, started with UPS on a Monday, and a, um, I just recently changed roles into the, the strategy role, uh, but for my first 12 years, I ran our government business on the freight forwarding side of the house. Mm. So, quick question, and uh, uh, start, so leaving the service on a Friday and starting on a Monday, I don't know how often that happens. Was it more about your strategy and approach to transitioning, or was it more about UPS's engagement of the veteran community or a little bit of both you know i at the time the um ups uh, certainly showed me some loyalty they, they held the job for me for about two months which which was incredible mm. but i i was all in just like everything i do you know the uh, <laughs> i decided at a uh, the 19 year mark that i was going to retire i actually put in my uh, my retirement paperwork right a full year out mm. which in the air force that locks you into your decision there was at the time there was no taking it back, and it it freezes you out of everything else. And a, uh, uh, so I, I was committed, and I did my homework. I I started interviewing for companies of, of believe it or not, a full seven months prior to the transition. Mm. Um, 
I, and I ended up choosing UPS, and they chose me, but I chose UPS as well. Mm. Uh, I had a lot of opportunity at the time. the The economy was was a uh, really good at the time, and I, I wanted to come to UPS because of the culture, because mm. it's in Atlanta, and Atlanta is a, a, a great community. And a uh, you know I put a, l- a lot of effort and long hours and doing my homework and, and landing the job at UPS. That's for sure. Well. Uh, Fantastic, and I think a lot of folks could probably learn from your your approach in that in that last year, that, that terminal leave. I guess what right? Did you well, well, terminal leave is the the time the, uh, you've departed the military and before you're actually out. So the uh, I actually spent my sixty days on terminal leave okay. uh, at UPS. You know, drawing really uh, two paychecks, which fantastic. is fantastic. Kind of nice. Yeah. That's, that's the dream. Okay, uh, you, you got to publish that that transition plan. Okay, it's going to be the next <laughs> New York Times. Double dipping is what they what, what we called it. Yeah, exactly. Out, so. All right, so uh, thanks for being here, too. So um, let's move over to Russ Chesanik. Uh Tell us about your current role a little bit more, and then, of course, about your veteran background. All right, so I'm working in Home Depot supply chain, um, primarily focusing on our buildings and our networks that service our stores directly. Um, in my role as a senior project manager, I'm leading a team of PMs. Um, we're focusing on execution for you know our new infrastructure builds. Um, not only that, we're, we're really... Um, I'm privileged to be in a role where I get to draw on a lot of experience from my time in the army mm. where, you know, you're working with everybody, like anyone from private to like battalion brigade leadership. Um, so I get to help articulate uh, the progress of our projects to senior leadership and help develop uh, our strategies and communication strategies and how we progress to the street and our executives and the board. So very happy with, uh, where I landed, very lucky where I landed, getting out of the army. Yeah, great group. Again, going back to that warm-up conversation and, and kind of gathering some of the things that Home Depot does to, um, you know, really really move the needle. Uh, it's very impressive. So, uh, we'll dive more into that shortly. But so in in the military though, well, tell us mm-hmm. more about what you did in the army. So I was an engineer officer for five years. Um, pretty pretty probably the coolest. I won't say. I don't. I love my job now, but the coolest job I ever had, getting to build bridges down in the Chattahoochee River, having a, call them like a fleet of, fourteen mini tug, five hundred horsepower tugboats, uh, pushing bridge sections around the hooch <laughs> with my soldiers, a um, couple hours a week. So that that was a a blast. Um, did that for a couple of years. Um, got to deploy to Afghanistan and mm. attached with the Rangers. Um, do a little bit of facility facilities engineering for a couple of years, mm-hmm. did some work on wells, uh, I mean, you name it, construction, contracting. So really broad spec- spectrum um, of different types of military engineering that I got to touch. Mm. Um, and then last role, kind of within the Corps of Engineers, leveraging a lot of that experience um, on Fort Benning with some of our larger military construction buildings. And, and all after graduating from, from West Point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is an impressive uh, uh, feat in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And you, Thank you, you. And you finished up at West Point in 2011, right? 2011, that's yeah. right. Fantastic. Um, all right, and moving right along, we've got Chuck Clueball. Chuck, good afternoon again. So tell us about, a little bit about your current role and a little bit about your veteran background. Yeah, so currently I'm, um, I'm actually a manager, especially selling processes for our store operations side. I've been in that role for a little bit less than a year. 
I primarily focus on our in-store associates for appliances and kitchens. Mm. But prior to that, I did two years uh, with Home Depot as well as a project manager in supply chain, where um, similar to Ross, we were actually on the same team for a little while there. Uh, managed a few warehouse builds, um, did some optimization of some of our in-warehouse uh, processes to you know do everything we can to, to shrink that margin. Uh, Home Depot considers supply chain a competitive advantage, not mm-hmm. just somewhere that we sink money in to get a product to store. It's actually one of the reasons why we do so well. And then also a few other things like um, some inventory optimization stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, I'll kind of segue into you know what I did prior. Uh, well, real quick, right before you do that, yeah, uh, Home Depot just rejoined the Gartner Top 25 supply chain ranking so obviously they, they do take it seriously i'm not surprised uh you want to talk about some some expansion that's that's a place that's going they just announced in our investor uh conferences last year that we're i mean we're we're basically making it where we're going to be um be able to put our product in any customer's hand anywhere in the united states um extremely fast i mean love it. i won't make you promises but we're talking fast <laughs> <laughs> i love it uh I, I love organizations that that can claim that their supply chain is a competitive advantage that's that's the the era we live in so it's good to hear what home depot is doing and you were about didn't mean to interrupt you but you were about to kind of talk about what you did uh, in the military yeah so um i completed uh i completed my bachelor's from Boston state and uh in political science with a focus on constitutional law. I decided that uh, I did not want to write any more papers, so I decided <laughs> to get paid to go camping and uh, jump out of airplanes or anything else they gave me. So I joined the Army and went in as an infantry officer. Uh, did seven years there. Mm. Spent a lot of my time in the Southeast. It was kind of funny. I joined the Army to see the world, and they sent me back home. So I spent five years at Fort Benning. <laughs> had a lot of fun driving around in Bradleys and tanks and um, 113s, and that was, that was just a blast. And then I mm. went to the 101st up there and uh, had some fun there as well. Went to Afghanistan, came back. And uh, a couple of things that kind of like stick out from that, uh, people talk to me now and say, hey, you're the manager, especially selling, um, but you're an Army vet and you're also an infantryman. How on earth does those two translate? And it's like the one joke that I have in my back pocket when I'm talking <laughs> to people. I say, well, if I can sell democracy, a refrigerator's nothing. <laughs> That's um, a pretty good joke. I know, That's yeah, a good I, one. I, I, I think that I'm going to borrow that if yeah. I yeah. have a sales uh, career ever, right? Like, That's how you close a deal. If you ever see me talking to store leadership, that, that one's always in the back pocket. Yeah, love it. And then the other thing that always kind of pops out, you know, talking about, you know, transition from the military to supply chain, um, I don't know if it's an actual quote or, or somebody's credit with it, but we always were told, even in the infantry land, that, you know, Amateurs talk tactics, mm. but the experts talk logistics. Because in the day, if you can't get the right people and the right equipment at the right point, it's a it's just moot. Like mm. you can't accomplish anything without that. So um, I think that that really, really, really sets veterans up for success in supply chain. Because whether you're literally a cook, uh, aviation officer, mm. an infantryman, or the actual branded logistics um, owner, you've got to talk something with supply chain. Uh, fantastic. And, and I'm going to absolutely steal your back pocket joke there about selling, if I can sell democracy. Um, so let's switch gears and let's talk about, uh, transitioning. That's really, uh, kind of the, the, the core of what we're after here today, because we all are familiar with some of the challenges out there, uh, related to transition. We've experienced it in many ways, um, differently. Uh, and, and, and my belief has always been, you know, um, if we can't get vets meaningfully uh, employed, we know some of the other things that are going on, and then we know how that affects anyone's psyche. So um, so I want to dive into this tent trans- transition uh, and get some stories and some experiences from your transition. And Lloyd, I want to start with you. Um, your transition, I mean, I mean, again, not to harp on it, but start uh, to wrap up your service on Friday and start on Monday, that is like 
the perfect transition maybe. I know a lot of hard work went into that, but talk about, if you would, uh, some of the challenges you experienced in that transition. And then, of course, uh, that second question that we want to get out on the table is, you know, some of the, the great resources or be- best practices that you can share and pass along to other folks that may be serving today, uh, getting ready for their transition. You know, I retired in 2007, and it was a much different environment back then than it is today. The fact of the matter is there's tons of resources today. And the uh, really the hardest part for a veteran is finding the resource that is going to provide the best help at the best time for him, put the resources out there. And if he, uh, if you can't find them, you're not looking. Mm. You know, when I retired in 2007, there wasn't many. And, a, uh, you know, I, I struggled with some of the, the uh, same things veterans struggle with today. And that was a resume, a, <laughs> uh, a, a lack of ever doing a job interview. You know, the yeah. last time I had done a job interview, I was, you know, 17 years old. Mm. And the, the, the third one was I didn't have a network outside of my immediate, you know, Air Force network. Mm. So the uh, for so the for the first. And if I could, but sure. real quick, that last uh, that last one you shared about veterans, folks getting out, folks in the service getting ready to get out, not having that private sector network. That is, we hear all the time because we, we're all we all are here are trying to help veterans, right? right. That is probably the, the one of the number one challenges that we are we, that we talk through with veterans and in some ways the to help microwave their networks. So that's a that's a big gap for veterans. Yeah, and it's still a gap. You know, the, the fact of the matter is you can get a good resume now through the, the organizations and you can really get mock interviews. But, uh, you know, landing a job is a lot on who you know, mm. and, you know, to make you aware uh, of the position and, and then to, yeah, you know, to, to let the hiring manager know, hey, I, I know this person. So veterans do an amazing job and service members do an amazing job networking within our own network and we don't think about building this external network until mm. it's time to get out so it's one of the things we'll talk about vetlanta here in a uh, in a couple minutes mm-hmm. but vetlanta is the network the veterans network in, in the greater atlanta area so the uh so you know networking is important I, I remember lessons learned my first resume was nine pages Wow, and and I thought it was a, I thought it was amazing. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I've I've, I've done some really cool things, and you know the, um, I was lucky enough as a first sergeant. I was the uh, had some uh, close relationships with the Airmen and Family Readiness Center, and and I had one of the civilians, you know, sit me down and go, shirt, this is a terrible resume, so you got to make it a, a page and a half, two pages, mm. and then the other resources I I leaned on was GI Jobs. GI Jobs is a was a, a magazine. It's still around. They had great content, and mm. they uh, they also had uh, you know articles on veteran friendly employers. And you know I, I I read that every month for about a year, and they uh, that gave me a, a lot of great advice. Well, um, and so GI Jobs is that GIJobs.com? dot com? Is it, is it a public? Uh, Written publication or website? It's or? both. Yeah. Okay. So you can you can the uh, subscribe to a hard copy, but you can j- jump on gijobs.com. dot com. Okay. And a uh, lots of veterans telling their transition stories mm. a- as well. Fantastic. Well, so let's kind of go around to the te- uh, uh, different panelists here. So Ross Chasanic, uh, let's talk about your uh, transition and, and and same question as we posed to Lloyd. Some of the challenges and and some of the critical resources and best practices that you'd like to pass along. Sure thing, Scott. So I was I was very lucky and blessed um, towards the middle of my five year journey in the army uh, with a great mentor. Um, 
who encouraged me to get out there and look at, you know, certifications and really connected me um, with Georgia Tech. And I was actually mm. able to work on my master's in industrial engineering at night. Didn't know whether or not I wanted to get out of the military or not. Um, but the Corps of Engineers was really pushing its officers mm. to get degrees. And, you know, we're always trying to get our soldiers to get to take time and get their bachelor's and mm. associate's degrees as well. So right off the bat, um, having somebody in place there with that forethought helped me out. And mm. as I got closer and as I actually made the decision, you know, I started trying similar to what Lloyd did. I started aggressively looking for interviews, trying to figure out what I wanted to do about a year out. So I started, I think I had my first interview a year out. I had not spoken with anybody about what my strategy should be, mm. you know, what my passions were and how that would land me where I ultimately wanted to end up. Mm. That went atrociously. Um, mm. That was a horrible interview. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think everybody, three of us in that room all wanted to get out. Um, <laughs> no, but- um, uh, I'm not laughing at you, <laughs> we, we, but I'm laughing because we've all been there. Mm -hmm. and we've all had that one bad, really bad interview. I was literally just writing mine down. I was writing my, my awful experience, like that one thing that you learn from, that you're like, never do that again. Yeah, so- <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, horror stories. <laughs> No, but I mean, uh, I had a couple a couple of great programs that are out there that helped me get prepared. There's VCTP, Veteran Career Transition Program, that helps with certifications. Um, I got hooked up with, I think, the Deloitte Core Program that really that really jump-started my networking. It's where mm. I learned to get, get my name out there. Actually, you're looking at one of the few millennials out there that actually has a Rolodex. <laughs> So. That's not something to be proud of. So Deloitte, <laughs> I don't know. Was that Deloitte Core C O R E Core? C O R E. That's correct. Okay. All caps. And that is for uh, any veteran, mm -hmm. or do I, you? I believe there there are a couple criteria. I think they're looking at um, vets who are within a year of getting out, or, okay. or or within a year of having gotten out, and. Um, I think you need a four-year degree to be eligible for the program, but uh, if you meet those two criteria, you apply, and there's a pretty long queue to get into it now, mm. but it's like three day, two or three days down at the Deloitte University in Texas. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. What else? Um, well, you, you know, military, we like to say you always want to plan to fail, and you don't actually – no, you don't actually think you're going to fail. Mm. Um, so I spent three months unemployed. Um, I think that was partially – I mean – that was based purely on my own decisions and mm. turned down a couple of job offers that I didn't think were cultural fits mm. for me. Um, you know, I planned for it luckily, but ended up landing at the home Depot. Um, I, I mean, it's all about those, those were three of the toughest months of my life mm. sitting idle. You know, you start questioning, like you were saying, there's a lot of, you hear a lot of horrible things going sure. on in the community now. Uh, you, and I empathize, with, you know, you start questioning your self-worth and mm. it becomes difficult to motivate yourself. You're, you know, a mix of going to as many job fairs as you can. And then you're also, you know, going on websites and kind of cold calling these companies, mm -hmm. trying to get, speak with anybody, but um, perseverance. Rather than a robot or yeah. an email or the, the digital yeah. black hole that can mm -hmm. be. Or there was one company where I submitted my application and got a rejection before I got a confirmation. <laughs> Gosh. Wow, <laughs> Man, <laughs> that's brutal. But that's Ross, stepping off on the right foot. Not not the wallow in it, but but Ross, you're you're describing that 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 kind of that beat down fatigue um, um, feeling that you can take on, you mm -hmm. know, and, and and you're used to going back to your military days. You're, you're used to 
um, you know, being around your brothers and your sisters and accomplishing the mission and, and being around in a, a family tight knit, mm-hmm. oftentimes culture. And then so to kind of be solo as you're out there trying to hunt down a job and getting lots of rejection, mm-hmm. you know, no wonder we're seeing some of the things we're seeing. So, um, so anyway, but on the brighter side, so what led, was there a, um, uh, a couple of silver bullets that led to your getting on at Home Depot? So, I mean, I, I, had a, I had a couple of interviews like midway through there and kind of realized what I was looking for in a company and how it's it's not, y- you know, your first job out of the military, it's it's really about culture. And mm. I think, Chuck, you, you have a, a stat in your back pocket about how X percent of veterans leave their first it's job. It's something around 60% on yeah. average, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 60% of veterans on average leave their first company within a year of mm. getting out and I didn't I didn't want to do that so mm. um, I, I figured out the type of company I wanted to be with I fa- I knew like two or three within the Atlanta area where mm-hmm. I wanted to land and uh, went to a job conference and I put a bullseye on on those companies mm-hmm. got a call back and you know it fell into place so mm. it was yeah it's all about having that support network and really trying to figure out what it is that you're looking for well, you know it's interesting um, I was reading up uh, in the last few weeks that uh, veteran, actual veteran post nine eleven veteran uh, unemployment is uh, in March was like an all time low. Yeah. However, the trend that has taken its place in that challenge is underemployment, and and that goes to kind of somewhat you're talking to Ross and and um, you know because you want to be gainfully employed in a in a role that takes advantage of all of your experiences and 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 you know. And if if you're, uh, I don't want to pick on any roles out there, so I'm not going to mention any. But if you're underemployed, you know, it, you're you're not going to be happy, and it's going to lead to turnover and some other things. Yep. So, um, so let's switch over to uh, Chuck Clueball, and same question to you. Talk about your transition, challenges, best practices, you, you name it. Yeah, I can kind of uh, build off of what, what you're talking about. So um, when I went through my transition, uh, same thing. I got really lucky. I had a, um, a leadership team. I think in the military, you know, leadership teams. Just, uh, they swing back and forth. Great leaders, not so great leaders, and then back and forth and back and forth. Mm. I had a great leader who um, actually convinced me to stay in the army army longer than I I planned on being. Uh, planned on doing my uh, my contract and getting out. He encouraged me to stay in, but he also did a lot of great things. So he supported me going and getting my MBA. So I did mine through UNC. They have phenomenal distance MBA. Wow. Um, a lot of veterans in there. And I was able to do it throughout my career. Even when I deployed to Afghanistan, I was able to finish up my last two terms um, while over there. It was a very interesting time in the talk, you know, trying to trying to figure out what you're, what you're going to focus on, getting up really early in the morning to write papers. But um, <laughs> but that kind of set me up because like what Tyler was alluding to earlier a lot of those really good programs also have really good um, networking and assistance programs to help them out. So mm-hmm. that was probably my first toe in the water when it came to getting help with transitioning because I had somebody go through and look at my resume, mm-hmm. help me understand. And then after spending those um, those couple of years with that program, I spoke enough of the civilian language to not walk in and confuse everybody. Um, so mm-hmm. I knew enough of the buzzwords. I could, if I had the chance to, to think it through, I could articulate, you know, my experience into us um into something that was more digestible for um interviewers mm-hmm. but to go to the transition the biggest thing i always tell people whenever we have these talks whenever we bring in other organizations is the biggest difference for a veteran transitioning out of the military to the civilian sector versus somebody just changing jobs is the veteran transition is truly a life transition mm. if you think about it most veterans are going to move because you're not unless you're going to stay right outside the base you were most recently um, stationed at, you're going to move to where the jobs are. Mm-hmm. So you're going to pick up your entire life. You're going to go there. 
Um, I think the only day in the Army where I moved somewhere where I did not know somebody else before I got there was my first day of basic training. Mm. After that, you know, even from basic, when we packed into the van to go to our next training station, there was like six of us from the same battalion packed into the van. So that was kind of your crew when you showed up. And then same thing when I, when I went to Fort Campbell. I had buddies that I'd gone through different trainings with or who knew a friend of a friend who were quick to make the phone call saying, hey, you know, Chuck's showing up. Would you mind showing him around? You know, crashing on their couch for a few days so they find out where they're going to live. So you weren't alone. Mm. When you move in the civilian world, you, you, you truly are alone, and that's very, very disconcerting. And then uh, I'll talk about some recommendations for veterans once they get in. A second, yeah, yeah. I want to kind of go back to what Ross was saying. I went through, I had a month where I was on the unemployed um, docket. I, luckily, I had some savings, had everything built up. But it really does start making you doubt your self-worth because mm. I had this vision of when I got out of, um, and I felt like I had a pretty realistic vision because I had talked to so many people in my MBA that I was targeting these types of roles mm. and these types of organizations. Um, I had a, a range that I expected to pursue in things like compensation, which is very different because in the military, you don't talk compensation. Right. Like, I mean, I remember having to go remind my S1 that I was being promoted the next week and that they needed to change my pay. Um, unlike, you know, in the civilian <laughs> world stops. where it's very different, you know. Um, and uh, I was the only things I was getting back or only phone calls I was getting back were people who were severely undervaluing my experience. I mean, like really bad like entry level roles. And I was starting to wonder, like, am I really worth what I think I am? I have seven years experience. I feel like I was a higher performer. I've got an MBA from a really good school mm. and I'm getting offered these roles that are just like, I mean, why am I getting out? You know, like, why am I making this change? And the funny thing is about the network, why the network is so important. Mm. I went to a Ventlana um, event when I was uh, transitioning, and that's where I got my first face-to-face -face interviews because the panel sat up there. There was people from Bank of America, UPS, First Data, and they said, hey, um, I'm going to stick around for a few minutes afterwards. You want to come talk to me? And, uh, you know, the panel ends and everybody just disappears. Well, I went up there and talked to them, and every single one of them gave me their card and said, hey, email your, me your resume. I'd love to talk to you. Gave my little elevator pitch that everybody talks about. And uh, that's where I got my first interviews. Mm. And that's where I started kind of getting the ball rolling. But how I landed at Home Depot is even funnier. You're talking about the black hole where you send your resumes. Mm. I had applied to like 40-something jobs <laughs> at Home Depot supply chain. I hadn't heard anything, right? Mm. I'm sitting there in a taco mac, a taco mac <laughs> in midtown Atlanta. Oh, that's just down the street from me. I know, right? Like <laughs> in midtown Atlanta. Um, and I'm talking to my, you know, my best friend since like middle school. And his wife is there. And his wife's sorority sister works at Home Depot. And uh, we, we met later on that night at, at the apartment. We were just kind of hanging out. And she's like, yeah, I work in supply chain. She's, Can you just email me your, your resume? And I emailed it. And she's, she's an analyst. Um, and uh, I emailed her my, my resume. Seven days later, wow. I'm on an interview with the manager for the real estate team for Home Depot because she, I mean, the like I said, my, my best friend's wife's mm. sorority sister mm. gave her my resume and she looked at it and she goes, oh, this guy's got what I want. So they called me in. They focused Love in it. on some of my background. and the power boom, of network. Got, exactly. Yeah. Like it was, and that's what they don't be shy. And to echo Lloyd's thing, the next piece of advice I give to every veteran is there are so many organizations, Vetlanta, American Corporate Partners, Hiring Our Heroes, cannot say enough about what they can do for you. Mm. Um, just find the good ones, find the reputable ones, and then jump in. Mm. Use them. They are there. The people involved are passionate. And so they're going to be your biggest supporters. Love it. Uh, so before we, we transition back over to, to Tyler Freeman, any any other resources or best practices, uh, uh, Chuck, that you want to pass along to veterans that may, or to service members that may be listening? Um, once you get in 
So like I said, it's not just a the transition does not stop when you start the job. That's just getting out the gate. And then you have the rest of the mission, which is, you know, succeeding in your career. Once you step foot in that first job, the, the biggest piece of advice I can give to any veteran is find your other veterans mm. because they speak the same language as you. They'll understand your transitions. And uh, th- another story I love to tell is uh, it's a life transition. There's things that you just don't know as a veteran. Mm. And some of them are very embarrassing. Like, <laughs> I had to go ask my first boss who was phenomenal, but I was her first person she ever had reporting to her. And so I go walking down with 28 you know, 28 year old. And I'm like, so how do I schedule a doctor's appointment? Mm. And everybody looks at, looks at you like, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, in the army, I just showed up at five 30 in the morning in front of the medic's tent, stood in line. And they gave me some Motrin and told me to go on my merry way. I had no change I, your socks too, man. Exactly. Yeah, change right. your socks. So I had no Sorry. idea about like, I knew I had signed up for life, insurance. Kind of like life skills. Yeah. Like kinda, I had signed yeah. up for insurance. I had signed up for all the stuff when I went through onboarding with our um, HR department, but I didn't actually know how to use it. Sure. And uh, we all don't know. We don't know. I yeah. Mean, yeah. And but having another veteran who understands that, who can answer those questions is critical because um, that's one of the reasons why I think so many people transition is mm. they get in, they feel lost. And until they gain that comfort, mm-hmm. they're they're not going to be able to perform for themselves or for the organization. Love it. So I appreciate it because it can affect your confidence and yep. and uh, so self-aware, all that stuff. So, uh, all right, Tyler. So tell, let's talk about your transition challenges, best practices, you name it. Man, mine was so different than y'all's. Um, and so, uh, like Lloyd, uh, I was very fortunate uh, to, to leave the Marine Corps on a Friday and start at Ameriprise Financial on the next Monday. Uh, but rather than doing it 20 years into a career, I did it five and a half, and I was also 98 days back from Afghanistan. So really trying to figure out what the heck is going on, not just with my readjustment back home, but then also, wow, now I have to leave and start something new. Um, but you know, my transition journey really started a, a year before I got out. Uh, I was fortunate enough to make the choice. Like Lloyd mentioned earlier, I made the conscious choice. I'm going to get out. Um, and I started focusing on my undergraduate education. Uh, but what drove me wasn't necessarily, oh, I really think a four year degree is valuable. Um, my, my late mother, uh, made me promise her before, uh, when she found out that I joined the Marine Corps, that I finished college. Cause, mm. uh, unlike, uh, a lot of my, uh, 18-year-old uh, classmates when I was going to LSU, uh, I tried college first, and I was categorically just different than what they wanted uh, mm-hmm. me to be. It wasn't focused on school. It was focused on doing something a little bit bigger. And uh, so I dropped out of LSU, joined the Marine Corps, shipped off three months later. And it was Dang. the best decision I ever made. But now that promise came due. I had to pay up. Um, and so I leveraged a transition resource that, that is still there for Marines, um, which is the Leadership Scholars Program, wherein they accept uh, really high potential Marines. Uh, you do have to apply to the program as far as I understand the structure now. Uh, there's a woman by the name of Beth Morgan. Uh, she's now with Columbia University in New York doing some amazing things with their veterans program. But uh, you know, she helped coach me through the application process. Here I was, I got reasonable grades in high school uh, thanks to physical education classes and band and other things that padded my grades from the other <laughs> side. And so I was trying to figure out how the heck do I apply to colleges? And this was a program that was really great for me because I was in Afghanistan filing college mm. applications um, and being really upset when the, uh, the the dean of admissions from some university didn't call me by my rank. Uh, so I was, I was one of those guys. Um, and so I got into UNC Greensboro, so I knew where I was going to go. Uh, but I, I had this, this problem. Um, I didn't start school until August, mm. and I was getting out in April. Mm. And I was like, well, I guess – I'm going to do what I did before I joined the Marine Corps, and that's going to be wait tables, and I'm going to use my GI Bill. And 
gosh, what a poor choice for me. <laughs> uh, was And I'm so glad that I never ended up doing it because, you know, talking to Chuck and, and talking to Lloyd, you know, you get this, they opened themselves up mm. to an opportunity. And I think if I was to recommend to a veteran uh, anything in their transition journey, be okay mm. with taking a little bit more risk, leaving that comfort zone, and then being able to recognize that reward because you took yourself out of that comfort zone that you put yourself in. Mm. You're changing your life. And that's a pretty big step. Mm. So take a little bit more risk to make sure that you can realize what is what's on the other side because mm. it's really, really great. And by opening myself up, what I did was, is I was at Brad Paisley concert. Uh, I started a conversation with a guy over a beer. Um, and the conversation started like this. Hey, man, nice shirt. Because we were wearing the exact same <laughs> color shirt. Um, and I stayed in touch with him for some reason. It was just, it was really great. I stayed in touch with him throughout my time in Afghanistan. Uh, I was going to university in Greensboro, North Carolina, because I knew I had a, pl a cheap place for rent. Uh, and I was going to take a risk and just move in with this guy that said, look, uh, go to school, pay mm -hmm. cheap rent. And we'll see what happens. And I was going to wait tables and I was going to do that. Um, but then two weeks before I got my separation papers, he calls me and says, hey, Tyler, uh, I've got an opportunity for you. It pays $16 an hour, but it's at my financial management company. Mm. And I said, well, what, what, what will I do? I mean, uh, yeah, I'm interested. He's like, you're going to answer phones. And so I started my career after the military on a Monday, moving from uniform to shirt and tie, going from thank you for calling Flightline Sergeant Freeman. How can I help you? To thank you for calling Ameriprise. This is Tyler. How may I direct your call? And in two days, I made that transition. I started at the bottom. And being open to that risk mm. rewarded me with a really strong career at Ameriprise for four years. Mm. And that really strong career opened me up to different opportunities at the company, to take a variety of different roles, to impact things that I had no business being mm. involved in. But what the company realized was is I had everything to do with. So what I'm hearing you say, Tyler, is, is – is, um your advice to folks currently serving is don't get too wrapped around or wrapped around the axle on very certain specific positions, but kind of broaden your horizons a bit and be okay with with uh, that, right? Yeah, think about it from from like this. Nothing's gonna be the way you want it right now. When in your life have you ever been able to flip on a light switch and everything is the way that you want it to be? Not here. Right, <laughs> not here. Yeah, so we're we're actually the the mood lighting is on here at Goizueta. We we clearly we pay the bills on time, um, but uh, you know I I would say. Set some goals for yourself. And as a transitioning veteran, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Be proactive and not reactive. Mm -hmm. And have that long-term goal, that really lofty goal that's hard to achieve. Because if you give it, nothing's, nothing's fun when it's super easy. I'm that's sorry. Right. We're all veterans, right? We rise to the challenge. We do more with less. We're great in supply chain because we know how to get it done. And that doesn't change just because you leave the military. If anything, that's when you need to rely on those skills the most. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, Thinking about skills, we talked a little bit earlier about snafus. I, I have to tell this story. Uh, I was at Ameriprise. I was a glorified receptionist. It was the best thing I could ever do because it got me exposure to the base level of the organization. I am closest to the customers. And it's important for me to talk about this. Home Depot, their inverted pyramid is everything is about the mm. customer. If yep. they're not talking to the customers, they're wrong, right? And so that was really valuable to me. But being short-sighted and also chasing a little bit of money about a year into the job, I, I tried to apply to a new job. And I sent them a Word version of a pre-formatted resume. And it was all wrong. I read the email <laughs> after I sent it. And I tried to resend the same resume, but in a different format and said, sorry for the wrong format. And I can guarantee you that hiring manager that was looking at me for that position had never thrown out a resume faster in her life. Mm. And then the last thing, I guess, if I were to offer advice, transition advice to people, um, 
Lloyd's seven page resume, nine page resume. How many was it? My nine. S- my, a dozen, right? <laughs> um, listen, veterans, what is on your resume is not indicative of the impact you have had in your career. Your resume is a document to get you the job that you are sending that resume to. And just because it's not on there doesn't mean you didn't do it. Hmm. Right. So the, this career management center, I work with a gentleman named Brian Smith um, here at, at Goizueta, and they have a really great staff. And he taught me that And when I got here, I'd already got my resume down to one page. Right. Or, or but it was really small font and, and they had a very specific format that they wanted to hear because we're a world class MBA program and everything needs to be consistent. And I looked at Brian. and I said, Brian, I am not willing to take off any more accomplishments. I've already called it as much <laughs> as I want. And he said, Tyler, I don't really care. Uh, and I needed that tough love. And I think mm. veterans need that tough love. Yep. Think about what's most important for that person to think about and think about what you're most proud of and what you can talk to the most. The rest of it, keep it for yourself, mm. but keep it in a different copy, yep. right? And, and that's, that's really my best transition advice. Lloyd, you hit the nail on the head. If you're not finding the resources, you simply haven't looked, mm. but your resume isn't indicative of your experience. It just helps you get the job. So think about it that way. Mm, love it. So we're going to move kind of into a lightning round. I, we knew we knew that there was going to be a lot of passion in this room as we walk through these these these, these issues. And and who knows? Maybe this is the first of a series of, of conversations. It certainly warrants it. But um, what, what we want to do next, as part of the next segment of, of today's podcast, is we want to kind of talk about some of the things that organizations that are here represented are doing to engage and, and really successfully onboard veterans. Uh, into the organization. So we want to start with Home Depot because as we've already kind of spoken to a little bit and certainly spoke about in the warm-up conversation, there's some really neat things that Home, Home Depot is, not, is, is assigning resources to to really help our veteran community. So uh, Ross and Chuck, where do we want to start with that? So I'll start it off. Um, so I'll, I'll speak to just a, a quick personal experience and then Chuck is very plugged into a lot of uh, the larger initiatives that we've got going at the Home Depot right now. So I, I stepped into my new role. Manager seats me at my cubicle after I swore I'd never sit in a cubicle. <laughs> and says, all right, here, you got your computer, got your phone, you're good to go. Oh, by the way, see that guy in that cube diagonal from you? He's a veteran too. So I walk over there <laughs> 10 feet away, and this guy, Chuck Clueball, sitting there. Turns out, you know, we were serving 10 miles away from each other at the same time at Fort Benning, just never ran into each other. So Chuck's point of you know, knowing a veteran and having a, a network when you're at your company as a freshly transitioned veteran, um, building that support network, um, truly critical. Um, and that's, uh, we had a lot of discussions. We both entered the company around the same time. We had a ton of discussions around how can we, how can we keep this going? You know, mm-hmm. he was a, my kind of informal mentor. He had an informal mentor and uh, our leadership within Home Depot's supply chain and Home Depot as a whole uh, allowed us to kind of get the ball rolling through what Chuck called the military appreciation group and kind of get a formal structure set up for veteran mentoring. Um, so now we were plugged into human resources mm-hmm. and we were trying to pair off um, newly transitioned veterans, whether they just got out of the military like Chuck or myself did, or uh, whether they've been out for a couple of years and we're looking for somebody who had something in common because they're new to this city, new to this part of the business and, just needed somebody to speak speak with love it love it chuck so like one thing we always say like you know it's very it's very common and popular someone to say they're veteran friendly um but we all know that that's not always the case so i always say like you know 
in business, especially for your for-profit organizations, the way to tell if somebody actually cares where they put their money. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one thing that I can I can always say with confidence about the Home Depot is like I got some numbers jotted down here because you know Google's a powerful tool. And uh, so like over the past couple of years, Home Depot has done a lot where they've gone through since 2011 and like helped remodel or improve 41,000 veteran homes. So that's not only a community outreach, that is a vehicle for veterans themselves inside the company to put energy because we always need something greater than just doing the job to do the job. We always want that that higher purpose to our missions. And then also, you know, they've donated you know, over $250 million um, since that time uh, towards veteran causes. And they're not stopping with that. Mm-hmm. They, they, they put that as a goal and they broke it and they're, and they're still going. And then recently one that's really caught my attention because I think back to when I was transitioning out, I had a few of my of my soldiers that were getting out. And like I said, I was, I was lucky. I had, I had the, a little bit more education. I had that background. I was I had some guys, though, that, that they came straight out of high school or some of them even had dropped out of high school, got a GED, and then got into the military, especially they came in during the surge. Mm. And I was really concerned about them transitioning out um, because, like, you always ask, what's your plan? The plan's always go home and go to school. Mm. But that's not an actual plan. That's just a, a concept. And so one thing that the Home Depot just announced last year that I was really excited about is uh, there's going to be a, a, a skills gap developing in our com- our country over the next few years that's uh, for groups like our plumbers, electricians, and our mm-hmm. carpenters. And these are actually, because of the demand, very well-paying jobs. Mm. And um, Home Depot has donated $50 million to help train people to um, to develop these skills and get jobs targeting veterans and then like underserved youth. So those are areas that we're able to put our energy. And then once, like Ross was saying, inside of our company, and we're always growing, we're always trying to get better. You're never going to be perfect, never going to be the best. But we do a lot with, uh, we're trying to expand our partnerships with other groups that are also be able to impact that. We're we're trying to, um, you know, encourage groups to come in and, and do like fellowships. We're trying to go through and encourage um, with, inside the company, we do a big events for Veterans Day, mm-hmm. Memorial Day, things to kind of keep the message out there. For a long time, uh, especially when the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq were at their peak, mm. Home Depot actually had up to 1,500 associates deployed at any given time mm. because of the National Guard and Reserves. And so it's something to remind people of and to keep on the, on, on the you know, just keep in front of them. And I feel that we do a very good job. And like I was saying, when you look talk about companies, and I know that UPS and a bunch of others say the same thing, like, where the money goes is where they what they actually care about, yep. and so that's kind of a, the litmus test. I would say to look at companies. Absolutely, I mean, I, I think when I hear what you shared, and of course we've known, we've seen it, we've seen it in Vetlanta, and we've seen Home Depot leaders come out and talk about it. But at the end of the day, they're not just talking about it; they're putting resources, investing, mm-hmm. they're putting their money where their mouth is, they're driving action, moving the needle, and that's really, um, fortunately. You know, I think in the last five or ten years, more and more organizations, for-profit organizations, have really gathered that. And I, I think, uh, generalization, I think there's less lip service than what there was ten years ago. Because t- to your point, uh, Chuck, veteran-friendly is easy to say. You know, it's very easy to say we love our veterans. It's very easy to say, oh, yeah, absolutely, wave the flag. But at the end of the day, when they come back from being deployed – you know, where are the jobs, where are the resources, you know, fix my house, all these things that, that need to be done. Home Depot is doing stuff like that, and that, that's so important. So appreciate what y'all are doing and appreciate y'all's internal leadership in, in the MAG group. Uh, military, what does that stand for, MAG? Military Appreciation Group. Yeah, is that and that's the internal, that's, that's uh, what's participating in all these efforts. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. We, we right. partner with, uh, like, so we're, we're called a resource group, so we're, 
kind of a like a volatile organization inside of an organization. Mm. And but what we've managed to do, like Ross saying, we, we create inroads with HR and other teams Love and it. to help build out that that mission. Forty one thousand veteran homes renovated, two hundred fifty million uh invested and then another another on top of that fifty million yep. in, in these uh so many skills gap uh jobs uh to get veterans and engage them. That's fantastic. All right. So we're gonna switch gears and move over to UPS, which you know we've got a um we're very fortunate that they have organizations that are really moving the needle and doing it. Um, and UPS obviously is one of those. So, Lloyd, let's talk about what UPS is doing to engage and, and successfully onboard veterans. Yeah, we, you know, we've talked a lot about employment. And, and something I need to remind, you know, the audience is UPS, the Home Depot, Coca-Cola, any of these Fortune 500 companies, we're not hiring veterans because we feel sorry for them. Mm, amen. We're hiring veterans because they give us a competitive advantage. Absolutely. And that's absolutely the truth. So at UPS, we, we've got almost 30,000 veterans that work for us. And uh, the really cool thing about UPS is uh, we're 111 years old, and we've always been veteran-motivated company. Uh, two of our founders were veterans. One of our first CEOs was a veteran. One of the coolest things, I, I love going to UPS headquarters and looking at our archives. Mm. And one of the coolest things is we have a, a bunch of advertisements, uh, UPS in the late 60s and early 70s, advertising to take care of returning Vietnam veterans mm. and, and, and hire a, uh, Vietnam veterans. You know, that that wasn't the cool thing to do at the time. Right. So, so I absolutely love that. Uh, um, one of the really things I'm passionate about is the Veterans Business Resource Group. You know, I started the very first one at UPS a little over seven years ago. Mm. Today, we have 22 chapters across the country. Wow. So those veterans uh, business resource uh, groups help in a myriad of, uh, of activities. The, uh, one of my favorite is American Corporate Partners. So we, we talked about that. You know, the, uh, the need to have a mentor who's been there and done that is really important. American Corporate Partners provides corporate mentor for a full year to help you with not only finding that job, but to help you, we talked a little bit about culture, mm. right? To help you, uh, yeah, you know, with a culture of an organization to identify that before you even start looking for a job. And then when you, when you get that job, y you know, how to adapt to that culture. Another great one we participate with is the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Hiring Our Heroes Foundation. Mm. So they, uh, they have fellowships across the country, and I, I'm really proud. I get to go on a special assignment at UPS a, uh, several years ago and start that initiative. And the, the Veterans Business Resource Group or Affinity Groups, definitely do your homework on LinkedIn. Connect mm. with somebody from a MAG or a VBRG or Affinity Group. And they, uh, you know, reach out to them on LinkedIn. Mm. So most chances are they're going to respond back to you and they really do want to help veterans. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, one last note, uh, Lloyd, that you didn't mention that, that I've admired. Uh, you know, we both are big, big fans and supporters of VEO, Veterans Empowerment Organization. And you were recognized with the, uh, the Jim Casey Award at UPS, which uh, for your service, and that led to a, a grant for the VEO, right? Yeah, it's really cool. So UPS has a uh, – we don't actually give that many awards out, and, and the the biggest award we give out is for community service. So I was – last year I was a, uh, really blessed to get recognized. Uh, only the 24th award we've given out in our 111-year history. Wow. And a, uh, I was blown away. And a, uh, the really cool thing – it was I got a five thousand dollar grant and I was uh, definitely looked hard at all my 
you know, the uh, partners that I really support, the different organizations. And, and I gave it the Veterans Empowerment Organization. Mm-hmm. They're a homeless shelter here in Atlanta. And they, uh, I saw that $5,000 was going to have a really big impact for that organization. And I, Scott and I, we've, we've put in some blood, sweat, and <laughs> even probably some tears uh, yeah, helping out that organization. And we've we've really watched them flourish over the last several years. Amen. And and if you really want to go uh, be a part of a, of a nonprofit that uh, – is driving the needle, literally taking veterans off the street, getting them rehabbed, giving them a, a warm bed and skills to go out and get a job so that you know they can move on and create the bed for the next person in need. Check out VEOHero.org. Great people over there. Tyler Bowser, Franz uh, uh, Fortune, uh, incredible group. Dan Valentine, so VEOHero.org. Lloyd, fantastic. And you really set us up as you were talking about BRG and, and you know, mentioned all, all those other organizations beyond UPS and, and the Home Depot, Coke and, and many others that have these internal um, affiliate groups. And that's really led to the genesis of, of Vetland, I believe, right? Because the leaders of these different BRGs came together. Yeah. Let, let, let me give you a, a, a quick, like a 40,000 foot overview of Vetland before we we pivot over to the Tyler. So uh, uh, at the end of my two years running the Veterans Business Resource Group here in Atlanta, I got a call from a, uh, a Coca-Cola and from a, a, a young Marine who's working for a, a, a retired a lieutenant colonel, and they wanted to bring a, uh, all the Fortune 500 companies uh, across Atlanta in the room together and, and talk about what each of our companies was doing for veterans. And uh, that very first meeting, we probably had 10 organizations, maybe 20 people show up, and we talked about best practices and lessons learned, and we were absolutely amazed. We were amazed on a couple fronts. The first thing is our companies were doing big things for veterans nationally, but even more important, we were all doing big things locally. Uh, We just weren't talking to each other, and we uh, we ended up establishing Vetlanta, and Vetlanta uh, we opened it up to any organization or person who wants to support veterans. Uh, and our goal, you talked a little bit about it earlier, and not to still Tyler's thunder, is to make a, uh, Atlanta, the greater Atlanta area, the premier community in the entire country for veterans and their families to work and to live. Yep. Well, you know, we love Atlanta and we're ambassadors for Atlanta, but a lot of what I think each of you are sharing today is is uh, advice and practices and approaches that are working any market. You know, if you if you're really looking for ways to whether improve your your engagement strategy with veterans or if you're you know service member looking to transition. So now, Tyler, back to Tyler, who is the chief marketing officer for Vetlana, and uh, to our listeners, we're going to run over today as we kind of thought we would. We're going to go over a few minutes here, but um, Tyler, tell us more about Vetlana and its mission beyond what what Lloyd has shared. Yeah, so it took its genesis out of the VBRGs, and and as Lloyd stated, we really want to help veterans, and we're open to allowing folks to come in. And so my role as chief marketing officer is to really consistently uh, communicate our strategy to our partners and make sure that the people that we do bring on are actually aligned with the overall goal of making sure that Atlanta becomes a premier destination for our veterans and their families. And we feel like either we're there or we're super close. Mm. Uh, so, so think about the, all those companies you mentioned earlier, Coca-Cola, UPS, Home Depot, Supply Chain City, right? Hey, there so you go. I love that. Supply Chain City, hashtag Supply Chain City on LinkedIn. I know Scott would love that very much. <laughs> and the Metro uh, Chamber. <laughs> and Metro Chamber. Uh, so, um, you know, it's really interesting. I stepped into Atlanta a little over a year ago, um, and 
I couldn't have picked a better organization to align myself with, especially being new to Atlanta. And, you know, our mission is to connect veterans and their families to the resources that they need, mm. not just for their transition, but for their livelihoods, right? And so, you know, this focus is on this transition. We talked about this a little bit already, or really quite extensively, but Vetlanta serves more than just the transition side. Vetlanta serves veterans that want to broaden their network. Mm. Vetlanta serves organizations that partner with it by expanding who they serve through a network of cross referrals, right? And so as we think about how Vetlanta provides value, we are a community collaborator. Mm -hmm. We aggregate the resources. Vetlanta's product, Vetlanta's power, Vetlanta's everything is the people that go to it and the organizations that represent themselves at Vetlanta summits and throughout those pillars as well. And I like how Vetlanta and the team get together and they vet all of these these organizations. There's so many of these days that, that going back to what we are talking earlier, yeah, we exist for the vets. Yeah. We take care of our veterans. But then at the end of the day, when you trace and follow the money, as as yeah. someone said, um, it is a it, it's it's not what it what it's presented as. And yeah. there's so much vetting that really needs to take place. And that's a big part of what Vetlanta does, right? That's right. So we we rigorously review uh, the organizations that reach out to us. We predominantly only work with NGOs, right? So a 501c3 organizations, things like that. And and we ask them to open up their books. Show me your show me your IRS form 990. Show me the ones for the last three years. Mm. Do you have continuity and leadership? Are you using your funds in a good way? Are you are veterans actually getting your funds? Or are you paying people salaries, right? And we're not experts, yep. right? But we know, or with Lloyd's experience, the other leadership experience, we know what's right and we know what's wrong. Mm. If it passes the sniff test, we're going to dig a little bit deeper, make sure that that organization's great, and make sure that they're not up to nefarious things because we live in a world where sometimes that happens. Uh, all, too often. Um, so one last thing. So if you're in San Francisco or Houston or, or Seattle or New York or one of these other, these other um, NFL cities, or if you're in a small Aiken, South Carolina, where I'm originally from, and if you're looking for ways to um, – to create a community, uh, a, a community of collaborators, as, as I think Tyler put it, vetlanta.org is a great benchmark organization. Uh, they are not looking for money; they're there to serve. They don't take they don't money. Take money. Never. Um, never charge. Never will. And it's really about serving the community and, and making these connections and, and vetting these resources and and being there to to to, to serve one singular community. That's our veterans. So a great benchmark organization. So I'm a little bit partial. I got my my Vetlanta tattoo on my right arm, but uh, vetlanta.org for more information. So what's the next? Y'all got uh, just a little bit big event coming up, right? Yeah, it's perfectly queued up too. We talked about the, uh, the, uh, are you, you know, veteran friendly, Uh, you know, uh, there's a guy, Scott Johnson works for the Warrior Alliance. They're being featured at our next summit. And the theme is, are you veteran committed? Right. And the mm. reason why this is important is, is because Vetlanta is veteran committed. Home Depot is veteran committed. UPS is veteran committed. You'd be hard pressed to find an organization that would willingly tell you that they are veteran unfriendly. Mm. Right. But you'll find it much more difficult uh, than finding a military friendly organization to find a military committed one. And so where the money goes is where the business grows. Right. As Chuck alluded to and as Lloyd <laughs> talked about. Right. And so. Vetlanta has partnered with the Warrior Alliance to, uh, and I can, of course, uh, thewarrioralliance.org. They're a fantastic organization. They provide case study for veterans. They do a lot of the things that Vetlanta in an, an all-volunteer aggregation capacity can't do. Um, but 
we're hosting a summit at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's going to be May 7th. Uh, so we've got a couple of breakout sessions. Uh, you know, Higher Heroes USA is doing some things, and we've got a breakout session on public policy as mm-hmm. well as veterans business resource groups. Um, but, you know, the hallmark of our uh, summits uh, is going to be the networking session, the tabling session. We've got 45 organizations. Apex Atlanta is included in there. That's right. Um, and so we've got 45 organizations. All have been evaluated by Vetlanta um, to make sure that they're doing the right things for veterans. So if you're a, a veteran in or around Atlanta, uh, come check us out. Register uh, ahead of time. Please, please, please register. Uh, eventbrite.com. Search mm. Vetlanta, V-E-T-L-A-N-T-A. Uh, and look, uh, it's going to be an amazing event. 45 organizations. We're hoping for 1,000 people. Uh, we've got the governor coming out. Uh, okay. So Governor Brian Kemp's going all in on veterans, being veteran committed. So we appreciate that, right? If you can't give money, can you give your time? That's just as valuable to volunteer. It's even more valuable as an all-volunteer all organization that Vetlanta is. Um, it's going to be a, a killer event. We're super pumped. It's our biggest and it's ever. it's free. And it is 100% <laughs> free. Uh, free food, wine and beer if you want. We're even going to hook you up with free parking. Free parking in Atlanta around mm. the stadium, folks. Come on. It's worth your time. We love the Benz. We love uh, Arthur Blank and that organization yeah. and what they're doing, the, the, the making things happen like that. So, uh, vetlanta.org yep. and uh, you mentioned Apex Atlanta. Apex Atlanta will be there. Uh, uh, Apex Atlanta is a sponsor of Supply Chain Radio and one of the neat things we're doing at Apex Atlanta is uh, we had our Atlanta Supply Chain Awards uh, um, uh, back in March where uh, UPS nonetheless was uh, was given an award. Love it. And yeah. a lot along with 10 or 11 other organizations and Apex Atlanta from the get-go wanted to use that vehicle and build it in, even in, in its first year to help fuel scholarship programs for a variety of, of demographics but of course veterans as part of our veteran transition assistance uh, task force was top of the list so what we've been able to do from the success of that event is uh, fund two scholarships for an upcoming uh, a uh, APIC certification boot camp at the Georgia Tech Supply Chain Logistics Institute so we are in the process of taking names and, and applications, but it's like two questions, takes five minutes to, to fill out, to um, give two veterans uh, not only the APIX um, courseware and uh, online support learning system that you get when you go down the CSCP or the CLTD path, but also they're going to sit for free, no charge, in, in these, these two-and-a-half-day boot camps at Georgia Tech, thanks to Tim Brown, our partners over there. So all from... You know, the success and the support we got from the um, Atlanta Supply Chain Awards, and next year, hopefully, we can do 10. What's one of those certain, those classes? What's like 1,600, 2,000 bucks per it's, person? It was uh, the courseware alone. You know, we're putting about two grand as a chat, as a, as a, a nonprofit organization into just the courseware and the online learning system. And then, of course, our friends at, at Tech allowed us to, um, you know, basically let these veterans come in and, and go through as a normal student and also get the credentials. So, yeah. so, these students, um, regardless of veteran or, or the other participants, if they complete the class, they'll get a credential from Georgia Tech. And then, of course, if they study and pass the exam, they'll get a, a world, uh, world-class uh, supply chain certification. So a great deal. And from the you know, support we've gotten from, from um, a lot of folks uh, for the Atlanta Supply Chain Awards. So. I'm over here talking about free parking and food, and he's over here talking about a gateway to a career, folks. Hey, hey we're trying. Apex Atlanta, y'all. <laughs> We love our Apex Atlanta friends and, and participants, and it's been an honor to be a volunteer for 13, 14 years. So on that note, we're going to, um, for the sake of time, uh, maybe bring you all back. We'll talk about some of the leading supply chain trends. But I want really important, want to make sure we get for our listeners 
where folk where they can go to learn more about a lot of the, what, we, what we've talked about today. We've we've thrown out a lot of URLs throughout the the conversation, and we'll try to capture those in the show page so that folks you know can one click and they've got it. But let's start with the uh, the Home Depot team, Russ, uh, Ross, and, and and Chuck. Where can they go to get more information? So to learn about some of the great stuff that the Home Depot Foundation is doing, you can go to homedepot.com forward slash community. Terrific. Man, a lot of man, a lot of work being done there by the fine folks at Home Depot. Um, and then going back to uh, uh, Lloyd and Tyler, what where can we send folks on some of the things y'all have shared? Uh, so uh, the best best place for, for us is going to be, uh, so our event registration, uh, you can access through our website. It's going to be www.vetlanta.org forward slash events. Uh, so look for uh, the Q2 Super Summit, or you can go to eventbrite.com, uh, search for Vetlanta. And uh, since we're at Emory, I'm a veteran. I have to make the plug. Sure. Uh, super Please. proud. Uh, student-funded, student-ran website, emoryveterans.org. If you're interested in learning more about what veterans mean to Emory University, we've got a great site regardless of what school you're interested in, undergrad, uh, MBA, law. We've Mm -hmm. got some great contacts for you there, so emoryveterans.org. Love it. And from UPS, in any search engine, just type in UPS Jobs. (laughs) Once you go to uh, UPS Jobs, there's a veteran tab or military tab. Take a look at it. Love it. Love it. And uh, we'll include as many of these notes and URLs, especially the things we kind of uh, shared along the way, GI jobs and all these other resources. We'll try to capture as many of those for our listeners and put it in the show notes. Um, what a outstanding conversation. And, and I got to be honest, I feel like we've just kind of sc- scratched the surface, but that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll do a part we'll have, two. Yeah, we'll do a part two. Uh, <laughs> go grab some Taco Mac and come back and reconvene. Maybe start with supply chain. Next <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> that's right. Next time will be all about supply chain. But to our listeners, thanks for, for tuning in. Uh, we're going to wrap up this afternoon on a couple of upcoming events as we sign off here. So first off, uh, join us at Blueprint 2019, uh, Monday and Tuesday, that's April 29th and 30th, a leadership and business forum focused on a wide variety of topics from change management to hiring and developing your workforce to uh, inventory optimization, all put on by a, a great team over at Blue Ridge Global. You can learn more at blueridgeglobal.com. Uh, check out an upcoming event. Apex Atlanta is partnering with the Georgia Manufacturing Alliance, but run by a veteran, Jason Moss, fellow Air Force veteran. Um, May 10th, we are joining forces to hold a Proven Techniques for Continuous Improvement class at Doosan. Uh, featuring Bo Groover of the Effective Syndicate. You can learn more at georgiamanufacturingalliance.com. Uh, we mentioned upcoming APICS classes at Georgia Tech. Really uh, thrilled about our partnership at uh, with Tim Brown and Georgia Tech Supply Chain and Logistics Institute. The CSCP Boot Camp is June 24th through the 26th. The CLTD Boot Camp uh, is Wednesday, the June 26th, that same week through the 28th, and we do that. As folks fly in, they want to sit through two classes the same week. Uh, it'd make my brain hurt, but other folks, that's what they do. Uh, you can learn more at scl.gatech.edu, or, of course, you can reach out to us and we'll get you information. In May, the Association for Manufacturing Excellence will be holding its Atlanta 2019 Lean Summit. Great speakers, best practice sharing, networking, all dialed in on the world of manufacturing. So we are pleased to serve as a media partner, and you can learn more about the event by contacting us, or you can uh, uh, check out ame.org. We're proud media partners of EFT's 3PL and Supply Chain Summit in Atlanta, June 10th through the 12th. Home run lineup of speakers from folks like Atlanta Lakes, Uber Freight, Cisco, uh, UPS is going to be there. Uh, wide variety of folks. I think there are up to 800 executives have signed up so far. 
We're going to be broadcasting live thanks to Becker Logistics. You can check them out at beckerlogistics.com. You can check out eft.com for all the details or send us a note to scott at supplychainradio.com. We'll get you more information. All right, big thanks to our guest today, uh, Lloyd Knight, again, Director of International Air Freight, LMG Lane Management Group, right? You got it. At UPS Global Forwarding, your award-winning UPS Global Forwarding team. Uh, And, of course, Lloyd is uh, co-founder and president of Vetlanta. Tyler Freeman, Chief Marketing Officer with Vetlanta, our host today as we're broadcasting live again from Emory University that loves our veterans. All in, man. Veteran committed, 100%. <laughs> I love it. Chief of Staff for the Emory Veterans Association. And uh, and a Tillman Honor Run participant. We'll, we'll be clocking your time on Saturday. Yeah, I've been hitting the weights, not running the trail, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Ross uh, Chesanek, Senior Project Manager with the Home Depot, and his good friend and colleague and fellow veteran Chuck Klubal, Manager Store Operations with the Home Depot. Both of y'all, really appreciate what you do, your passion, your passion for giving it back to those folks that um, – or in you know the places that we all were in at some point, and uh, really admire what the Home Depot is doing and putting money and resources behind and taking care of our veteran community. So thank you both. Well, thanks for having us. Appreciate you bet. it. All right, so be sure to check out our upcoming events, replays of our interviews, other resources at supplychainnowradio.com. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, all the leading sites where podcasts can be found. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything. On behalf of the entire Supply Chain Radio team, this is Scott Luton wishing you a wonderful week, and we will see you next time on Supply Chain Radio. Thanks, everybody.